President Obama has sent Congress a $2.8 billion request for emergency funds for reconstruction in Haiti. That's going to take some time for that to work through Congress and for that money to actually make it to the country. And in the meantime, there are pressing needs in Haiti that still are waiting for funding. Some of them are a result of the Haitians who flooded into Milo to the hospital there after January's earthquake. Now, many of them have recuperated, but just like the other 700,000 homeless people in Haiti, these patients, former patients, have nowhere to go. So they turn to their doctors and nurses for help. That's adding to the workload that's already pretty heavy for the medical staff. Harold Preville is the medical director of the hospital. Here's what he had to say about the new responsibilities falling in his lap. We have patients now who are totally cured and who are ready to be discharged, but they do not want to go back to Port-au-Prince because their main request is to, is to see if we can provide them with a tent. We are now knocking at all the doors that we can to see who can help us. Takeaway producer Anna Sale joins us again. She's in Haiti all this week uh, accompanying a military mission in Milo. At the a med- medical mission. Med- medical medical mission. mission. Oh, did I say military? Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Very different. Good morning, Anna. Good morning, Celeste. So as of now, there are about 50 tent cities in Haiti. They, they're they accommodating about 30,000 people, but we're, we're told that there's, like I said, hundreds of thousands of homeless people. Clearly, that's not enough. So on top of everything else that the hospitals are supposed to be taking care of, they're now in charge of finding tents for the patients once they leave? Yeah, it's an added responsibility on top of everything else this small hospital is trying to do. This is a hospital that's been serving the local community for more than 25 years, and treating these additional earthquake patients has just been on top of what they're already doing here. So it is it is just an, another stress on their system. And, and in addition to all of that, the the regular work that they're doing at the hospital, the, the number of patients that they've been having to treat, there's also the, the issue of, of trauma, of possibly post-traumatic stress disorder just from dealing with the, the earthquake itself and the tragedy. Uh, let me play for you this this person that you spoke to, Wilfin Tenner. First person I saw that was there, that was a little kid about nine years old coming from school. That was bad. Uh, but seeing everything make you feel like you was there, but you survived. It's just like going to war and you survived that war. That's how I felt. Tell me about Wilf and Tenner and some of the other people that you've met there and what they've had to say about this. Wilf and Tenner is a translator here. He's from this small town of Milo, but he was actually in Port-au-Prince on the day of the earthquake. You hear him there talking about seeing the first dead person in Port-au-Prince. It was a nine-year-old student on the way home from school. Uh, Everyone I talk to here has this kind of story. I I talked to the head nurse here who's worked at the hospital for 10 years, and since just after the earthquake, she's been working pretty much nonstop to try to treat earthquake victims. Here's how how she described it. We couldn't even count because we just worked, and whenever we we could stop, we we stopped. You know, when we couldn't stand anymore, when we couldn't just go any further, it was very, very difficult. And sometimes you were obliged to go somewhere and hide so you can cry so people don't see you. This is a woman who has three kids of her own at home. Her name is Natalie Dorson. She's the head nurse. I asked her how she was taking care of them while she was working so much at the hospital. She said, well, her husband was just picking up, picking up the slack at home. So, you know, the other thing that she, she, spot, she was talking about there is, is working and not stopping. Uh, that's something that would be understandable in January just after the earthquake. Was that, is that ongoing, that, that people are working longer than 24 hours at a time? 
And that's what's interesting is, is, is the medical work has slowed somewhat. There's still, of course, the added responsibilities of figuring out where these patients will go once they leave the hospital. But I think for many of the, the medical staff, the Haitian medical staff who've been here since the earthquake, continuing to work is helping them sort of work through their emotional trauma. Uh, Wilson Tenner, the, the translator, he talked to me about this, and, and this is what he said. I supposed to take a day off, and I, I think about the kids and the patient. So I have to come be with these kids. It's really, I don't know when I'm going to have a day off. I'm worn out, but I'm only helping out my people. So at some point, are these doctors going to reach, and, and nurses and translators, are they going to reach the point where they, they absolutely cannot go any further? I think so. I think everyone, patients and, and medical staff alike right now, are sort of in this the very end of the this period where where the patients are being taken care of here, the medical staff is continuing to have enough work to sort of make everything else not going to come to the forefront. But as tents get worked out finally and as patients begin to be discharged and start their lives again in Port-au-Prince or wherever they end up, I think there's going to be a time when, when all of this emotional trauma sort of begins to hit home, but that just hasn't happened yet. Okay, thanks so much, Anna. Anna Sale is our takeaway producer in Haiti all this week, accompanying a medical mission in Milo.